Hey everybody, Dr. Nick here with another exciting episode of the Hospitality Spirit. Today I am joined by Keith Sestere. Keith is the general manager for the Ambassador Chicago. Prior to joining Ambassador Chicago, Sestere worked for a multitude of hotel properties across the country, including the Boca Raton Resort and Club, London House Chicago, and the Porter Portland Curio Collection by Hilton. Sestere is a proud East Coast native who is a self-described people lover. When he's not working, he enjoys delving into the many hobbies, including calisthenics, reading, and traveling to different countries and experiencing a multitude of cuisines to gain a better understanding of the various and wonderfully unique palates of his expected guests. Keith, thanks for being on the Hospitality Spirit today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So Keith, there's a lot that we could dive into here. We could talk about travels. I want to I want to hear what you're reading this month because you're a big book guy. What's on your bucket list to travel as we come out of this pandemic? But as listeners of the hospitality spirit will know, we always start with the present. So let's talk about the Ambassador Chicago and let's talk about your role there as general manager. So tell us a little bit about it. Uh, well, I really feel like I'm the luckiest guy in the world when you think about uh what I've been able to uh, land here at Ambassador. You know, it's an iconic hotel here in the Gold Coast. It's Chicago's original boutique hotel. And, you know, it's uh, it's in a great location. You know, it's a beautiful neighborhood, Gold Coast neighborhood. I look at myself kind of as like the chief innkeeper here. I'm not doing anything extraordinary just yet, you know, having just gotten here six months ago. However, I'm really honored to be carrying the torch when you consider that it's a almost 100-year-old hotel and there's so many service professionals and, you know, titans of the industry that have come before me. I know a number of people here that during the various transitions from Ambassador East to Public Hotel and so forth, people that have worked here, and they're some of the best people in the industry. So, you know, what I do here is just try to, you know, honor the people that have come before me, be a good steward for the name and honor them by by moving it forward and carrying the torch forward. For those that aren't familiar there's hotels all over Chicago, and there's hotels on the Mag Mile, there's hotels all throughout River North, but the location of your hotel is unique, that you, you, could, you could theoretically drive by it and not realize that there's this iconic hotel sitting right there because it's so ingrained into the neighborhood. Why is that important for you? Why is that important for the Ambassador Chicago? How does that change the, the way that you maybe run the hotel? Um, I'll tell you this, this hotel belongs to the neighborhood, right? Um, and, and it's the way that they look at it. Um, you know, the residents here have been here uh, through the heyday, you know, through the, the various periods of economic boom that we've seen here in Chicago. Uh, people are very well off. But this hotel really does belong to the neighborhood. I mean, that's the, that's the absolute truth. They uh, are very involved in our decisions. They want to they know exactly what our plans are for this space or this event or what have you. It means everything to this neighborhood, to the Gold Coast. People view this as, you know, as, a, as an amenity, you know, to have something so wonderful here. I mean, it's a beautiful building. It's a great location. Um, you know, we're nestled in between million-dollar mansions, like everywhere you walk. There yeah, I would say, I'd, I'd correct you there respectively and say multi-million dollar. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, for some sure. Of those, some, of those ma- some of those mansions along Astor Street, and I mean, those are the pinnacle of what I would call old money, but also history for the city of Chicago. I mean, if you want to go on a good architecture tour, go on the architecture tour around the neighborhood. It is truly remarkable, the, the for sure. homes that you have there. For sure. I mean, the, the old Playboy mansions here, mm-hmm. um, uh, I mean, you walk around, you're right, multi-million. There's, there's one on the market down the road with heated sidewalks that's going for like five and a half, so yeah. uh, five, five and a half million. So it, it, it's definitely, uh, 
unique working in in such a glitzy and glamorous neighborhood and it just again it just makes sense that the hotel you know as we are right now would have just hosted all of the luminaries of show business of the you know 20th and 21st century because this is where their friends lived you know um and they would come in town stay here and then take a stroll down the road you know if you think about the history of chicago and and we'll kind of get back more into the operations here in a minute but if you think about the history of Chicago and really the the turning points in our history here, you know, one of those big turning points was obviously the Columbian Exposition. I mean, so much so that we have a star on our city's flag for it. But, you know, right after that, the late 1800s and then starting into the 1900s, this was a really interesting time for Chicago. I mean, this is where Chicago really began to grow. This is where people started coming to visit in very large numbers. The skyscraper was invented here. So, and a lot of the wealth for the city of Chicago was concentrated in that neighborhood. So it's a it's a perfect fit, and and it truly is an iconic hotel for for those that aren't familiar. I want to go back, if we could, just for a moment before we maybe transition into your career. I want to go back and highlight a word that that you said, and listeners of the podcast might not be familiar with with what you mean when you say that. You refer to the Ambassador of Chicago as a boutique hotel. How do you, based on your experience, or or how do you tell your team um, and your associates there? How do you describe boutique hotel to them? Boutique really, to me, just means that you're curating um, and trying to be emblematic of a specific experience, mm. right? A specific experience, and a good comparison, I would say, is something that's crafted and not necessarily crafted, but concept crafted, marketed, uh, put out for mass consumption, mm-hmm. right? Boutique is kind of like the specialty of that. It doesn't necessarily give it, you know, assign it a value like it's better or worse or what have you, but it's something that's curating a very specific experience. The way that I express that to them is I say, I say a few things in our staff meetings, but it's like, listen, remember, we are the ambassador, right? Mm. We can go anywhere in the city, talk to any of the other hotel professionals here in the city. And it's like, don't act like you don't know my name right? I've been here. <laughs> I've been here. Ambassadors specifically. And again, I feel very honored to be carrying the torch for the service professionals that have come here before me. But that that's what the boutique experience is. I mean, there was a very, very famous movie uh, by Alfred Hitchcock that was filmed on the premise here. Oh, that's a that's a good note. We'll have to put that the link to that in the bio. That'll be a fun little supplement to the podcast. Oh, for sure. We, for give, sure. we give movie recommendations here on the Hospitality Spirit all the time. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, it's North by Northwest. I don't know if I can oh, say it. Yeah, North by Northwest. Movie. And then there was a joke because he took over 40 rooms. There was a joke by the staff that they said uh, the movie should be called East by Ambassador East. But anyway, that's uh, neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, but that's what boutique means to me. It's like that the pull through of that story, like curating the experience to say, here, here's who's dined at this table. Mm-hmm. Here's who slept in this room. You know, these are the people who have walked through this door. Come be a part of that. You know, the Queens had lunch here. Wow. So, um, you know, we're, we're curating that experience uh, for those people and people that feel connected to those things. Maybe somebody who is uh, is a, of a more modern mind, but enjoys the, the connection to the traditional. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe if we wanted to attach an analogy to it, maybe it's something in, re- in the retail sector. So maybe something, you know, a large scale change, something like a Nordstrom's. Nordstrom's is great, but then you compare that to maybe a small independent owned and operated business that offers something highly specific to a highly niche group of people as opposed to the mass market. We can maybe draw the same parallel to the food and beverage industry. You know, a, a small independent owner operated restaurant versus a larger chain. 
restaurants that are cookie cutter to some degree. For sure. I'm curious. I, I always like to, you and I share lots of similarities into where we started in this industry. Um, we both started carrying bags in hotels. Oh, for sure. Um, I'm, I'm curious because I, I like to ask people a lot, when did that switch flip for you to say, I, I think I want to go into hospitality and more specifically, I want to go into the hotel industry. What did that look like for you? You mean um, after I had gotten my first job, or, or well, just like prior? What did, well, well, I guess that that's part of the question. Did did you did you know you wanted to go into it, and that's why you got your first job in the hotel industry, or were you just looking for something, and by chance it happened to be in the hotel industry, and then that's what got its hooks into you? What did that process look like? I mean, that's a really good question. Um, so I didn't know that this is what I wanted to do when I got my first job. I um, I do share a personal connection. I, I mean, growing up, I remember my mother going to work wearing her banquet server's uniform. Mm -hmm. um, she has been in the hotel industry, not, yeah, just about as long as I've been alive. And she is currently a director of sales and marketing at a hotel in South Florida. That's great. And she's a longtime director of sales and marketing. She's very, very good. And we don't really talk about work that much, to be honest <laughs> with you. I mean, it's just one thing that I, you know, when I uh, see, spend time with my mom, I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk about work. Let's not talk mm -hmm. about work. We do it about once, I'd say once a year, mm -hmm. <laughs> once a year that we talk about work. But um, yeah, getting into the in, into the industry, she said, hey, this hotel is hiring. And go there, wear this, say this, right? You'll get the job and then you can decide whether or not you really like it. Everybody who's known me throughout my life has always kind of pushed me. They always said, you can, you know, you're, you're very good at uh, relating with people and uh, talking to people, understanding them. And I guess that that's true to, to some extent. But getting into the industry, I just went to, uh, went to a job interview and I interviewed with the HRD and the GM. And he looked at my last name and he said, hey, do you know, do you know Cheryl? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, that's my mom. And he goes, oh, okay, Cheryl's great people. <laughs> so anybody uh, that says it's not about who you know in this industry, we, we talked about this on the pod a lot. <laughs> has never worked in this industry. It's sometimes, true. Sometimes it's a family member. Sometimes it's a friend. Somebody. It's sometimes it's somebody you that was a colleague twenty years ago, and you you get a phone call one day and they say, "Hey, I'm looking for a revenue manager. Hey, I'm looking for a guest service manager. Are you interested?" And that's that. That's as they say. That's how the sausage is made. Um, yeah. Quite often, <laughs> and and we we say that because it's why it's so important to you know you you say in your bio, and I can also kind of tell just from our conversation that, that you enjoy interacting with people. You're a, lack of a better term, you're a people person. But a lot of that being a people person is putting yourself out there and keeping that network strong and getting involved in associations and going to networking events. And always remember to never burn that bridge because you never know when you're going to need to cross that bridge and who's going to help you cross it one day. For sure. No, no, for sure. Um, and I'd like to think, you know, given that the HRD, uh, human resources director didn't know who I was that when she put me in front of the GM, that my mom didn't help me get the job. But if I have to admit that, you know, uh, my, my very first job in hotels was probably gotten by, yeah. by just, you know, the strength of my mother's name alone. Yeah. So, uh, well, it's, it's, it's interesting because a lot of times when we talk to students, who have just recently graduated and, you know, maybe they've been working post-graduation for six months, a year, two years. And we ask them and they say, well, how's it going? And, and, and they say, oh, it's going really well. I, I wish, I wish I had kind of known this, or I wish I had kind of known that. And as a teacher, that really helps us inform what we convey in terms of a realistic understanding of what the industry is like. But it seems like for you, you started getting that 
real life understanding very early on because it was in your family. You understood that probably very early on that every day is going to be different. No two guests are the same. Um, there are slow times and there are busy times. And your perception of what days of the week are slowest are very different from people that don't work in the industry. <laughs> Friday nights and Sunday mornings are always busy. <laughs> um, so it's, it's interesting that you started to get that realistic job preview very early on in your life. Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times uh, I've been able to avoid a pitfall just because uh, I had the voice of my mother saying, oh, you know, be, be mindful of this or remember these things or what have you. Or I've been able to look, you know, look smart in a meeting because I understood a concept. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You, you know, not, it's not to say that I always, always uh, appropriately applied that. I mean, things like that are only gained with the perspective of maturity where you say, you know, why the hell am I doing this? And, and then you, you look at it, you're like, oh, because it makes sense. It's smart. It's, it's good. It's better to do it this slightly harder way than it is to do it the easy way and get poorer results. So uh, luckily I've had that perspective. Um, not always, like I said, not always, uh, you know, seeing the forest through the trees, but uh, I've been very, very fortunate, very lucky in that regard. So you started working kind of that entry-level job that, that we all got in the hotel industry, and there had to have been a point, I would assume, somewhere in your career where you said, okay, this is what I want to do. But then how did you answer the question that a lot of listeners might have about, okay, I know I want to go into the hotel industry. I, I know this is what I want to do, but do I want to work in luxury? Do I want to work in limited service? Do I want to go work in resorts? Do I want to work in, a, in an urban environment? Do I want to be in an environment where I'm with business travelers mainly or leisure travelers. How did you help triangulate the niche that you wanted to go into, Keith? That's a, I mean, that's a really good question. I feel like I just enjoy hotels. I, I like working in full service hotels. It's where I got my start and it's kind of where I feel comfortable just because that's, that's I guess, where I got my first foray. Mm -hmm. um, but I enjoy things that make me better as a hospitality professional. The type of hotel that it is, just given my experience with it, I feel like I have the ability to work anywhere. I mean, the stop of my career where I worked at the Boca Raton Resort and Club, I was trained in the classical European style of luxury hotel service because that was where they wanted to bring the hotel, you know, the goal that they were setting out. They had just had a fresh flock of managers join the team and they said, this is where we're going to go. This is what we want to do. You know, and, and I mean it in that classic European style, they teach you how to like iron shirts and things like oh, that. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of fun. No, it's... And pack... Pack luggage it's for guests, you know. Very, very different for people that aren't familiar. And, and we've had guests on the on the pod that have gone, you know, came up through the Swiss education. They went to Swiss hotel school, and they'll talk about that. It's it's very, very different. Not to say that one is one is better than the other. They're just different. Right, for sure. No, for sure. And to, I guess to answer the question, like, how did I find out where I wanted to to be positioned? Well, I just feel, you know, lifestyle. I'd say a blend between luxury lifestyle makes sense because I enjoy giving people the absolute best possible service. And, and I really mean that. Like I enjoy taking something off of somebody's plate. And that's the reward that I get from it. When when I hear you say that, and I'm sorry to interrupt, when I hear you say that, I immediately go, I, I teach a leadership class, and I immediately go to this style of leadership called servant leadership. Oh, for sure. That's, and, that's my style, servant leadership. Yeah, and I think people, and I'm a servant leader as well, which is why I can... I, I can speak on it because I, I am a servant leader, but I'm also, I also teach leadership. But, you know, I think some people hear the, the phrase servant leader and they say, oh my gosh, you know, you're a, you're a servant. Like, how could you like that? And that's, and that's not what servant leadership is about. Servant leadership truly brings you professional satisfaction to serve others. And, and we don't say serve here in the context of like, you're a server in a restaurant. 
we say it in the context of you realize that your followers and the people that you lead have expectations and they have needs and you take it upon yourself to help meet those needs and to help serve them. And that is a priority for you. It's not authoritative. It's not dictatorial. It's you're not designed. You're not trying to transform people. You are literally there to serve the needs of your followers. And the people that I've engaged with that have worked in hospitality, these are some of the best hospitality leaders out there. They are servant leaders. And I'm really happy to hear you say that because you're the real life embodiment of the theory of what we talk about in class. I mean, for sure. Let me let me tell you something. This is the way that I think about it. Okay. I, I, I really think that what I do, <laughs> I know it's like preposterous to think about it because I'm not you know, I'm not healing the sick or, you know, or what have you, but, um, you know, what, what I do is quite noble. And, and you look at the rules that govern hospitality of ancient cultures and, you know, even in religious texts, sorry, there's no room at the end. You know, what I do, what we, you know, what we do as hotel professionals is mentioned in these religious texts. I mean, there are some, some religions out there that say, if uh, you don't treat a guest well, you know, show them hospitality, protect them while they're in your land, you can't go to heaven, you know? So, well, yeah, I mean, we talk in our, even in our tourism class, I mean, we go back and we talk about the grand tour and we talk about the caravans traveling along the Silk Road from Eastern China, that's how they got spices and trade materials through the Middle East into Europe. And those caravans had to stop places at night. So this is, this. not only is this the world's largest industry, hospitality and tourism, but it's also one of the oldest. Oh, for sure. We connect the world. Nothing makes me happier than hosting a stranger, you know, a, a person who considers my land, you know, my country, my home foreign to them and to, to show them an experience or, or serve them in a way that makes them return back to their home and, and talk about the hospitality that they've received. I enjoy the fact that there are people all over the world, probably here and there, not all the time, but telling a story about interacting with me one day in 2015, 2016. You know, they're like, do you remember so-and-so at such-and-such? And, you know, even if it's not something that's opulent, even if it's just something that's really uniquely human. And to touch upon that again, you know, serv servant leadership. Yes, I believe that service and being of service to others is a very, very noble thing. So what I do and my why is that I feel like I, I get to play a little sneaky on people and be like, I get to serve those who serve others. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to talk about things that are noble, like serve, the service of others is a noble thing, showing a stranger kindness, you know, for no reason. It's not just noble, but it's also powerful. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's how you gain influence and power, right? Showing, you, showing empathy and being able to adapt to the needs and meet the needs of those who follow you are incredibly powerful. They buy loyalty. If we talk about it in a business context, it increases job satisfaction. It decreases turnover intention. Research has proven and our, and our experience has proven that being empathetic and serving the needs of your followers makes just business sense at the end of the day as well. I'm going to talk a little bit about, you've been in this industry for a while. You've done lots of different roles. You've been down in Florida. You were up in Portland. You are here in the Midwest right now in Chicago. You've worked for lots of different brands. You've had lots of different flags flying outside of your hotel, as they say. And I'm curious, this is also one of the questions that I get a lot and that I even had when I went to hotel school is, okay, I know I, know I want to go into this industry. I think I'm pretty sure the type of hotel I want to go work in, let's say under 250 room luxury boutique. Let's say that that's what I want to do. 
then the question is inevitably, okay, what company do I want to go work for? Because you, you said something or you alluded to something interesting very earlier or something very important earlier. You know, working in a hotel is not an incredibly complex job. This is not rocket science. And the process of checking somebody into a hotel, for example, yes, property management systems are different. There might be slight modifications to policies and procedures and SOPs. But at the end of the day, checking somebody into a hotel is welcoming the guest, confirming a reservation, assigning a room, making a room key, getting a form of payment, making sure they know how to get to their room. It it, it can be broken down into those simple steps. And whether or not you're checking into a Hilton or a Hyatt or a Marriott or an Intercon, the front desk experience is somewhat similar from an employee standpoint and from tasks, duties, and responsibilities. But the question I get is a lot is, okay, if the jobs are relatively similar, how do I differentiate the kind of company that I want to go work for, that I want to be a part of, not just for a job, but for a career? And I'm curious to get your thoughts, Keith, because you've worked for different, different kinds of properties. You've worked for independent properties. You've worked for big flag properties, lots of different names on the buildings. What advice, I guess, would you give to people on how to choose the best company that they might want to go work for? Oh, that's a really good question. Well, you know, not to pit one against the other, but you have to, you have to find one that really speaks to you and like, and not just speaks, but, uh, you know, everybody can say, you could say whatever you want, you know, you could say, this is what I'm all about. But then if you don't ever do anything, then maybe you're not really, you know, maybe you are just in your head. You have to, I, I, the advice that I would give to a young hospitality professional is find a company that they feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. One that they feel like has synchronicity, synchronicity of values. The things that you find important cannot be in, you know, not even direct contention, but can't be too far off the mark of what your company wants to accomplish. What you believe in and what your company believes in needs to be similar. And, and it's okay. It doesn't mean that uh, anybody's wrong if you're mismatched what one company wants and what the individual wants. It, it just means that you haven't found your home. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my advice is work somewhere that makes you proud, sure. not only because of what they say they're about, but because of what they do. That's why you're there. You're there to help. You know, if you're working for a company that shares the same values as you, sometimes you step out of the fold. Sometimes they step out of the fold and you have to kind of come together, work work together to find a solution that says, okay, this is, this is what you believe. This is what I believed. And this is where we find harmony. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so important. You know, I, I've worked, you're right. I've worked at a lot of different, different types of hotels and different properties. And I, I looking back on it, the advice that I'd, I'd give to my younger self is if you feel like it's going to take a little bit of hard work in order to get everybody online, stay. If you feel like it's going to take things that are outside of your control, like fully and, and entirely outside of your control, and you cannot ex- exert any influence on it, then get the hell out of there and find some place that, uh, that uh, that is closer to it, yeah. right? Again, it's nobody's perfect, no individual and no company's perfect. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, whether you're, whether you're called a team member, a colleague, an associate, ladies and gentlemen, what, whatever it might be, you got to find that culture that, that matches who you are. And, you know, think about 10, 15 years from now, what, what do you want your life to be like? And then work your way back, say, you know, do I want to stay centrally located? Do I want to have the ability to move both vertically and horizontally? Am I not constrained by geography? You know, and then it's also what what type of guest do I want to interact with? And and what do I want that experience to be like? Like you, I gravitated towards kind of the luxury side of things that I was trained in that. And then when I took on my first leadership positions out of college, I wanted to go someplace where 
I got more satisfaction out of working for a luxury 90 room hotel with a $450 ADR than I maybe would working for a 250 room hotel that was branded that had a 159 ADR that was primarily business travelers. You know, you, you got to find what works for you and realizing that there are, I always say that there are two customers in this world. There's the external customer. So there's the, there's the paying guest. There's the guest that's sleeping in the hotel room, the guest that's eating in the restaurant, the guest that's in your spa, that's playing on your golf course. But then there's also the internal customer and those are the employees. And I think looking at the company to say, how do they treat their internal customers tells you a lot. What are the benefits like? What is career development like? What are opportunities for advancement? It's, it's not just about the money. It's about that total compensation, both monetary and non-monetary, that I think helps students a lot figure out, you know, this is the company that I want to go work for. Listen, Keith, I think you'll agree there are plenty of jobs out there. And you got to use this time, particularly for the students that are listening, use this time to help answer that question. So whether it's part-time jobs, picking up an internship somewhere, Use this time in college right now to answer that question. What do I think I want to do? Maybe what I don't want to do? And that'll help guide your ideal company. I don't want to say I'm perfect because there's sometimes not always a perfect fit, but it'll help you in that process. No, for sure. I mean, uh, and yes, that's the best way to put it. Take this time now while you're just getting started. I mean, there's no time limit when it comes to these things. Like I've just been a little fortunate to figure out like, yeah, this is, this is what I wanted to do very early on. I, I know if I wasn't working in hotels, I'd be robbing banks. You know, I mean? it's just, <laughs> There's really nothing else for me to, to, I'm not interested in anything else. Maybe we could do a go back here like that. I do mean that. I do mean that part of uh, if I was not in hotels, I would be a bank robber. I really do mean that. It's, it's funny. It's, I, I had trouble. I, I kind of had the same mindset and I, I still laugh to this day. It's how I got into teaching as well. Really? Like, I, I, if you had asked me, if you had asked me when I was in college, you'd asked me when I had just graduated, if I would have been a teacher, I would have laughed at you. I was, my students kind of get a kick out of this sometimes. You know, I was a, I was a terrible college student. I was, I was more focused on the social aspects of, of life. Um, and so I would have said, no way, I'm not going to be a teacher, but I'm not sure I could see myself doing anything else. I, I truly love being a teacher. And some people say, well, do you, do you miss working in the hotel industry? And I say, well, I'm, I'm kind of still in it. I'm just doing something a little different. I'm, I'm kind of still in human resources. I'm just getting, I'm getting your employees much earlier on in their development. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm preparing them for their first day of work as a bellman. I'm preparing them for their first day of work as a restaurant manager or a hostess or a maitre d' or a sommelier. You say you can't see yourself doing anything else, but it's funny how this industry with all of its different tributaries and directions that you can go, sometimes a new chapter opens up and you're like, hey, I hadn't thought of that, but I'm really excited for that challenge. I mean, for sure. Um, I really like the way that you phrase that. You know, you're getting them much earlier on and, and I appreciate that. It really makes me happy to think that there are students out there that uh, are going to carry the torch forward. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, when, I'm, when I'm ready to put it down, there's going to be somebody well-trained and ha has, you know, a great understanding of this to, to carry it forward. You know, I'm not done yet. I'm just getting started. But uh, I really do enjoy that. You know, the pa it's just the passion. If people have passion for, for people, you're going to be successful in this industry. I, I know that for sure. It's interesting. Somebody gave me this um, 
this phrase one time, and since you're a big book guy, you, you might appreciate this. So you're familiar with the book Dante's Inferno. I am, yes. Um, <laughs> and it's, this, is, this is not to say that the hospitality industry is the seven layers of hell. That's not the right. reference. <laughs> but what the reference is, is very early on in Dante's Inferno, they talk about meeting Virgil, kind of the guide to help this transition, to help guide the, through, the, through the journey. And sometimes I think about my role as a teacher, as, as Virgil almost, the, the, the guide on the intellectual quest. And I, I think if, if teachers take on that, we are, we're not necessarily here just to teach. We're here to help students explore. That's kind of one of the reasons that I started the podcast is that we don't just have hotel people on. We have airline pilots. We have casino hosts. We have people in sales. We have people in revenue management. We have people in accounting. We have people that are landscape architects. We have people that run small hotels, big hotels. And I think this industry is really an industry that helps people understand there is a job for you in this industry. It might not be right there serve to you on a silver platter staring at you right in the face. But I promise you there's something for you in hospitality and tourism. There are so many opportunities and you might not be working in a big box hotel, but you can still have a tremendous impact. And whether you're a GM of the Ambassador Chicago or you're a professor at DePaul University, finding people that you can connect with and finding people that you can help mentor and be a mentee of is going to set you up for so much success in life. Without a doubt. And you hit the you hit the nail on the head there when you said there is a job for you in this industry. And, you know, there, there's really, I don't think that many people have a ceiling uh, in this industry. You know, there's skill sets and there's things like that, but you can, you can gain, again, as long as you're passionate about people, if you care about serving others, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be the greatest guest service professional ever. It just means that you have to really care about, you know, or really take serious the care of others. And uh, that's, that's how you move into a position of leadership is when, if you're focused on the needs of others, then they're going to be able to be focused on the needs of your consumer. And it's just, uh, for lack of a better term, snowball effect. You know, uh, mm-hmm. if you care about them in as passionate a way as you want them to care about others, you're going to be successful. And you hit the nail on the head. It, it's, there is a job for you in this industry. I feel like it teaches you on how to be a problem solver. It teaches you a lot of different life skills. You can use another, you know, other avenues of your, you mentioned something earlier, focus on the social aspect of things. Well, that's important. You know, that's, that's an extremely important thing about hotels. It's if not the most important aspect, it's right up there, you know, but obviously financial performance, you want to make sure that you can understand those things. Still a business at the end of the day. Yeah, it's a business. You're here to make, you know, you're here to make money, but you can have a hell of a lot of fun doing it, you know? Well, if you, if you find something, you lo- if you find a job that you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And I think that people that can find that job in hospitality and tourism, they will set themselves up for the rest of their life. And you don't know what that job necessarily is. You, you think you might know. If you had asked me, I, I, was, I was set to be a GM. Like I had the autopilot on. I was at 35,000 feet cruising. You know, meal service had started. I was flying to be a GM. And then one day I got this random call out of the blue to go work in human resources training and open a, open a property. And I said, yeah, why not? I'll go do that. And that's what led to me being a teacher. So it's, you, you never know where the journey is going to take you in this industry. And I think that's one of the things that I absolutely love about it. That's a great way to look at it. And you really never know. I, I was a bellman 
when I first started, there was uh, the seasonality, right? Seasonality in South Florida. I just started. And so I started, worked for about a month, and then immediately afterward, my hours got cut. So I started working in all of these other positions. I was a bellman and then front desk agent and then a house. Just like me. We were, we were on parallel tracks in completely yeah, different uh, places. For sure. No, <laughs> on the, for both sure. on the East Coast, but I was down in uh, Baltimore. So Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and, and I just said, you know, no matter what I do here, I'm going to try to do the best job that I can. And, you know, being a bellman was very task oriented, but that, that, that was a, or I'm sorry, being a houseman was very task oriented. Uh, but I still made sure to take great pride in my job and, and, and be observant of, you know, the rules of decorum that I had learned in my other positions, which was being a bellman and front desk agent. And, um, then I realized all I want to do is just have enough influence to be impactful. Mm-hmm. And I, I uh, would love to say that I've always had this great perspective as a hotel professional, but no, it's the truth of the matter is I haven't. I've gained that perspective over many, many years of trial and error and failure, you know, what other people would constitute as failure, but it's always just a redirection. To touch upon what you said before, which is, you know, you find a job that you, I, I have, I would say a bad day once every 200 days, mm-hmm. a bad day once every 200 days. I will take that all day, every day, right? Every once in a while, there's two bad days in a year, but I, 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 I could not imagine myself doing anything else. I absolutely love what I'm doing. Well, Keith, as we wrap up, I'll, I, I got two points just finally. One, this has been a, a great conversation. I think we've, we've touched on a lot of really great points. I, I can't speak highly enough about the Ambassador of Chicago. It's a an absolutely wonderful property. If you do nothing but go and have dinner there, I strongly encourage you. And the weather's getting nice, so you can walk right out the front door of the hotel, make a left, and you can stare at the lake and maybe just walk through the through the neighborhood a bit. Um, but the second point, Keith, is that you are the embodiment of the hospitality spirit. You you are what we like to showcase here, and I congratulate you on your success. I uh, know your the the colleagues that you work with probably are uh, they might not realize it now, but the servant leadership that you demonstrate is benefiting them tremendously. And finally, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being a guest on the Hospitality Spirit today. I, I enjoyed our conversation. And as we head into summer, I, I wish you and your entire property nothing but success. Well, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you having me. <laughs>